0: It was the beginning of high school. I was really nervous to make new friends and be cool in this new school environment, so as you could expect, I strategically ventured into what is known as the pinnacle of coolness in high school, the debate team. Spoiler alert, my plan to, use, my plan to be cool using argumentative workshops and researching issues like the minimum wage and different kinds of taxes didn't really bring me to my desired level of swag. But if you're looking for a new way to express yourself, your ideas, and connect with those around you, allow me to recommend debate as the perfect outlet to do so. My time doing debate has given me what has become my most valuable set of skills, living in a generation filled with people just like me who are just trying to fit in when fitting in gets harder and harder each and every day. And I know what you're probably thinking, nerds yelling at other nerds with their big nerd words at their nerd competitions, invigorating, right? And while, yes, the subscription deserves some credit, it's missing, which I think gives it the bigger picture and what makes it so valuable. And although I've only been at this for a couple of years, I do have some takeaways from my experiences that have helped me outside of the competitive debates I participate in. And I want to try to talk to you about them in like half the nerdy way you're imagining. For starters, debate has taught me to be assertive in my speaking skills and has helped me with things like giving presentations at school and also making new friends. But what has really been the most helpful and eye-opening are the skills that I've learned on the argumentative part of debate. The biggest realization I have had is that you can't just get up in front of a room of people and shout at them about why you're right and how the other side is just dumb. But you actually have to apply the knowledge brought up by the other side in order to form better arguments on your own behalf. For example, let's take the debate surrounding two of America's most beloved basketball players, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Who's the better player? Highly educated sports fans may know that the two of them have a fairly similar percentage of games won throughout their careers. But if I'm arguing for LeBron and know that he's played 300 more games than MJ, I could make the argument that while Michael Jordan may have a slightly higher percentage of games won, LeBron has an almost equal rate while playing a lot more games. And there lies the impact of the statistic. LeBron is better because the best players can play good and they can play for a while. And while I know most of the debate between these two players comes down to their athletic careers, there is something to be said about their work in the Space Jam movies, and we need to start questioning how that might affect LeBron's legacy. Anyways, the example I just gave is an example of something we use in debate called data-worn impact. This strategy is sort of the basis for how I and many other people choose to debate. First, explain your evidence, or sometimes just a sub-argument, and make it clear and easily understandable. If you don't really understand what you're saying, chances are nobody else does. (coughs) Next, for your warrant, you have to explain why your evidence or specific argument has more credibility credibility than the other side, or what just makes it different, just like that part where I explain why LeBron and Jordan's percentage of games won actually mean different things. And finally, your impact. You've explained why your evidence is better than the other side's, but now you have to explain why it actually matters in terms of the debate as a whole. This part is, t- is where I explain why my evidence makes LeBron the better player. This is typically the basis for effective arguments and refutations in competitive debate. But these same skills can also be used in more ordinary and everyday cases. Whether it be an argument with my mom about curfew, an argument with my brother about where we should go grab lunch, or an argument with my friends about who should have ox in the car even though we're just going to end up listening to Kid Cudi regardless, we've all gone into arguments big and little. Either way, the same skills that I just talked about in a kind of nerdy debate can also be applied to these very same situations. Let's take a real, more, life, more real life example though. Not too long ago, my school had a late start schedule in the middle of the week. So some friends and I decided that we wanted to go out the night before. But when I asked my mom, she told me to be home no later than 9.30, my normal school curfew. This seemed a little harsh, considering that school started a whole hour later. So I got on my hands and knees and I begged. Not really. But First, I made sure to understand her exact reasoning. She's a Jewish mother first and a teacher second, so of course she said, well, you have school tomorrow, wouldn't it be nice to get some sleep in? Totally lame. But here's where I, along with any teenager with a little bit of savvy, sees the hole in her argument. This is where debate kind of begins. If school starts at a later time, why do I need a normal school curfew? I asked her this, pointing to her argument about getting enough sleep, while also highlighting the later start time but she still wasn't willing and she hit me with the, I don't know, wouldn't it be nice to get some extra sleep in? The nerve on this woman, you guys. (laughs) But still, her reasons weren't adding up for me. I explained to her that even if my curfew was 9.30 and not an hour later, I would probably stay up on the home, well, uh, I would say I'd probably stay at home up on the phone with friends, or even continue my sixth rewatch of Rick and Morty until the sun came up. Her argument is non-unique, one of my favorite nerd words that I've learned to debate meaning I'm probably going to get the same amount of sleep in either scenario. Only with the extended curfew, I could have the time of my life at a local target. If you're from the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about. Instead of lounging around at home, which I feel like is a win for my mom because then she has a happy teenage son living in her home. And with this, she finally gave me the go-ahead for the 10.30 curfew. I know this is such a small and little and unimportant debate that I had with my mom, but it serves as the perfect outline for debate in almost any scenario. I presented my data, school starting later, my warrant that I would be getting the same amount of sleep with either curfew, and my impact, enjoying my night and giving her a happy teenage son. And I wasn't just arguing why I should be able to stay out later, but I was directly analyzing and refuting her own arguments. This not only gives me more ground to stand up for my position, but it also makes the other person's point of view feel more seen and the whole debate itself feel more contextualized. And I know these skills can be pretty intuitive in situations like that, where the stakes are kind of low and the worst you can get is a no from your mom. But there are some places where these skills are easily lost. Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. These are all places that I'm sure all of us have seen posts every day expressing some sort of opinion in one way or another. It could be about sports like I talked about earlier, or it could be on more political issues that can get pretty controversial pretty fast. Whatever it is, our feeds are dominated by posts and reposts expressing some sort of opinion. And oh my God, is it so annoying. And not just because of the number of these kinds of posts, but because of the actual content. There are so many statistics and aggressive statements that we see every day when we open any of our social media apps. Sometimes it's a death toll. Sometimes it's an act now statement. Sometimes it's people with different ideas calling other people terrible names. And sometimes it's spoiled teens posting about their trip to Florida saying, never want to leave XOXO. And like I said, I'm sure that I'm not alone in saying that these have become pretty annoying. But they also aren't very helpful in having meaningful debates and discussions when it comes to some of these same important issues. For starters, social media deprives us of interacting in this data warrant impact sort of debate. Or more simply, a good debate. Most, many posts don't offer proper context to certain situations. They give more of a big idea or statement rather than the proper analysis and argument. And after all, a hot take or big opinion is only as powerful and informative with the proper dissection and explanation that goes along with it. And many posts that give these statements would be fine. So many people make these posts just to raise awareness for a certain issue and aren't really trying to do more than just that. But when we confuse or substitute these practices for actual debates, that's when the problems start to begin. So many people see statistics or statements on social media about controversial issues concerning the environment, LGBTQ issues, public safety, and even sometimes mental health. But then a lot of these people bring the data they see online into real life and think that they've seen it all. It just takes one post calling pro-lifers pigs or pro-choice advocates evil for someone to spread those same words in person. It just takes one post calling a politician nasty and another one calling them trailblazing to convince someone to vote in the upcoming election. And it just takes one post of me hitting the gritty for someone to un-add me on Snapchat. We can't win them all. But in reality, topics like these have so many nuances in little things that aren't ever looked into by the majority of people. People are really quick to make assumptions about political issues, social situations, and even sometimes LeBron's legacy. I'll stop now. (laughs) So we need to be able to question ourselves and the people around us in a healthy way in order to make sure we're getting the right information and also using it in a helpful way. The idea that some opinions are objectively superior or that those opinions make some people better than others is pretty terrible and not only can create hostile environments among our classmates and friends, but it also impacts our our sense of understanding for one another. And if we can't understand one another, how do we expect to be part of a much bigger coalition as one community? But as the first generation who are the first to be completely immersed in this world of social media, I think we can change course from where we are right now. If we can all learn to use our critical thinking skills a little better and really bring out our inner debate nerds sometimes, I think we can make this online and in-person spaces smarter, healthier, and kinder places for all. So let's reclaim our power as the next generation of thinkers and disagree a little better. Thank you.